Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of The Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Callow. Hey guys, I'm joking, I'm not going to come in as high energy as Eric. <laughs> guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if this is the first time you've listened to the show, this is where we share the highs, the learnings, uh, and everything in between. <laughs> the, <laughs> the highs, the learnings, and everything. Do you know what happened? It's because Sam asked me earlier, like, hey, Adam, what's the intro you use? Because we're going to start putting a proper intro on these shows. Sam asked me, and I... I couldn't remember. And just as I came into it, you only have that moment of self-doubt. And I'm like, what is it? And I just started to like think of it ahead of itself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I need to get this right because like I need to remember what it is. I mean, it sounds great. The highs and the learnings. Like, it's, there are no nothing lows. Else. There are nothing no lows else in So guys, the highs, the lows, and all the learnings of what it takes to build a business. Uh, we bootstrap this business, raise a bit of seed funding, then a bit of venture. Uh, and the whole purpose of the show is uh, we're seven years into this journey. Uh, we've made lots of mistakes. We have, we have some good wins as well. I just want to share that with you as well. We've got some wins. Uh, but if you are about to start your entrepreneurship journey or you're in the, in the trenches right now, uh, hopefully this will give you a bit of guidance, help you not make the same mistakes that I've made. Uh, and just generally just give you a bit of an outlet through the week to know that other people are going through the same shit that uh-huh. you are. That's what this show is about, really. Harry, what are we talk about today, mate? So... Today, I've got a few little bits actually I want to talk about. So depending on how deep we go into one of them, we might talk about one or we might talk about all of them. Cool. Um, so let's just dive straight into it. First of all, uh, one thing you you reminded me or you wanted me to remind you of yep. was to say thank you to Stuart and Claire. Yeah, so uh, Stuart and Claire, you know who you are. I just want to say a huge <laughs> thank you to you guys. Um, a little bit of context is we've got... Um, Matt, one of his OKRs, so we work on objectives and key results. One of his things is he wants to, a uh, personal growth thing, he wants to become uh, the best manager in the world. Uh, uh, he's really leaning into his management and there's some stuff that uh, I haven't been exposed to, remote working and, and some other things. So I just sort of lent on the community a little bit. I was like, hey guys, can anyone help? Can you just stick your hand up? Um, I would just love Matt to spend a little bit more time with people that have got more experience managing people. Uh, especially uh, digital or tech or, or remote. Um, Stuart uh, and Claire took the hands up, jumped on a call. I think they spent between a half an hour and an hour and a half wow. uh, on a call with Matt. Matt called me after each one of those and said like how valuable it was. So I just want to say a huge thank you to you. I guess it's it leans into the power of the community that we've been building around the podcast. Uh, it's amazing that you guys were prepared to give that amount of time and then follow up with a bunch of emails off the back of it. So I just want to say a huge thank you, really. Uh, it meant the world. Matt enjoyed it. Uh, and we're probably going to try and do something similar probably every three to four months where we just expose different people to the team, mm-hmm. to outsiders, uh, to give a new perspective of what's going on. I think it will just help everyone overall. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that... Uh Matt is definitely moving into a managerial position just by like the way he speaks and talks about things more so actually asking questions and asking for something to be done and and like the follow-up like just certain work the etymology if you will (laughs) of rather than saying oh you couldn't just do this for me could you or whatever it is when you normally ask a, Mm -hmm. a, a colleague but he'll follow up with that like cool so can you do this and when can you get it done and can you and just like there's just certain things that he never used to mm-hmm. ask for it was more like a friend asking a friend now he just starts looking down at me and <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's doing well yeah so I, I guess the the reason i guess the reason is uh is um there's a real focus on expert trades to move into a 
I don't want to use the word ecosystem, but a singular product. Uh, so a platform play is what we're doing because we're very, we think about what we do today as individual services within the company. Uh, and for verified office and web, which are our core three trade products that we do, the end goal has always been to um, create one singular platform, but we haven't really made the steps towards that. Uh, and I guess COVID sort of like just give us an opportunity to focus on that. And specifically with Matt, is that's a part of the business that is profitable for us, is extremely well run. Um, and th- from a management perspective, the reason that we agreed on that OKR for him is I think we can scale that team up. Um, and I think Matt's the person that can can manage that team, mm-hmm. whether it's two, because he's got uh, two direct reports now. Uh, I think we can, if we do our job properly, we can probably get five to six people into that team. Um, and they do really good work, uh, very, very low churn rate, really happy customers. Uh, and that's a result of what what Matt does and how he manages his team. Um, so I think what he's probably been exposed to right now is he's got his process for his team, but now we're starting to put that cog into a bigger system, mm. uh, like how he interacts with you and other members of the team now. Yeah. Um, he's just making sure that his processes are not broken because it's very easy for us to come and steamroll and throw ideas in. So he's very protective of the processes that he's built, rightfully so, because it carries a lot of revenue for the business. Um, and he's just wor- he's working out how to manage his own team and then interact with peers across different groups. So it's a really interesting time. Uh, but I think he's doing a great job. Uh, and again, just to wrap this bit up is Stuart and Claire, again, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've already seen some of the stuff that, uh, example. This is a really small example because it was uh, it was a private conversation between those two guys. Uh, but one of the things we did a random uh, lunch, like a long lunch with the team last week, uh, because Matt wanted to. That came off one of the conversations to get people together in a more informal way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a couple of other things that came out of the conversations that we're going to roll out. And I guess one thing to touch on is if you're going to expose people in the team, this was one. This was my thought around it. If you're going to expose people to the team to new experiences and they come back with new ideas you have to listen to them. And I think that's one thing that Matt's really appreciated off the back of it, which is some of the stuff that he thinks will be good initiatives to at least try. We're going to try them uh, because there's no point in me exposing to new new learnings, new people, uh, if we kind of go, yeah, great, I'm glad you know that, but we're mm-hmm. not changing anything. Uh, so uh, I'm quite excited to see that the more people we expose to, whether it's personal development, books, courses, training, just meeting people, um, I'm really keen to expose more of the team to to external things so we can bring it internal um, so it's been cool nice uh, and just actually sort of a good segue um doing the lunches and how matt's been communicating with e- us and the team have been communicating with each other uh, one comment you made on our one-to-ones which we'll potentially talk about in a second as well is even though we're all working remotely we mm-hmm. seem to be communicating better communicating more clearly even though I can't say it right now um, and just more aligned with everything that we're trying to achieve and things like that Like, why do you think that is? I think it's a really interesting point and it actually came up three out of three of the one-to-ones I just did on Friday as an example so everyone sort of said the same thing which was we're working more effectively as a team um, we're communicating clearer I think the communication comes down to the fact that you know what it's like in the office. You can't just shout across and be like, can you do this? And they go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you send them something. They go, that's not what I meant. Change this. And go, okay. You can't do that remotely. So it's it's forcing people to be clearer on what they need. I guess it's also forcing people to stop being lazy, just to be honest. <laughs> uh, because 
there's quite a lot of effort in like writing someone a message and asking them to do something. Yeah. I could probably just do it myself. Even me, it's made me be less lazy or less privileged because I could just normally shout across and say, oh, Danny, can you do me a favor? Export the people that have got 15 plus reviews. I want to review it. Mm-hmm. The time it takes me to type that into Slack, yeah, I could have just done it it's, myself. It is a, it is a uh, I've noticed it myself with just little things. Like you say, something where you could normally turn to someone and go, oh, what's the, what's the answer to this simple question? Mm-hmm. Well, the majority of the time when it's, it is a simple question, you can probably find the answer yourself if yeah. you just... Admittedly, it might not be as quick as that person because they probably know the numbers off by heart anyway. But for the sake of going over to Slack, sending them a message, waiting five minutes or 10, 20, even an hour because they might be doing something else or on a call with someone else, just because someone's on Slack available doesn't, doesn't mean they're looking at Slack yeah, and available. Exactly. But I, but I think if you take that one step deeper, here's what I think is actually happening is because everyone felt like they were closer as a team, which is odd because we're mm. all majority remote. Um, but here's what I think is happening if I'm making assumptions is because you, when you're working, you're in flow and even a small question distracts that and mm-hmm. it takes energy to get back to the, the, the process and the mindset that you're in. So when you're distracted, specifically you as well, because I know the type of work that you do. Yeah fleeting between two things is really difficult to navigate mentally um because people aren't doing that to you you're probably more receptive to people and overall better at communicating with them because you're not resenting every time they're opening the mouth sometimes in the office it can be like i just need to work Mm -hmm. i'm trying to get this done i know it's a quick question i know the answer but i need to get this done and it's stopping that so when you do speak to people, it feels like everyone is just taking more time and being considerate and having, this sounds really like woolly, but just better conversations and more uh, p- polite, I don't know. Like it's just- I mean, it, for, for me anyway, uh, sometimes it's, it's the, the distance that we've got between each other now is a nice soft barrier to, like f- for me personally anyway, I now... In, in essence, control when I have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Because if it is urgent, someone will slack you three times and then call you, for example. Because um, sometimes you might just miss a notification and, and you, you you can pick it up because you're only in your inbox anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you, because someone might just send you it in an email because it's a bigger task at hand, you don't encumber your mind and focus with that other thing that Fordy's just asked for or Cat's just asked for because they sent it at midday and I'm not going to go back into my inbox. Yeah, you're until choosing when you see it. Yeah, so you get to control that. Which is a lot more productive. Yeah. A lot more productive. Definitely. And you mentioned that thing like people just email you three, slightly three times and call you. I guess it also creates like, um, it needs to be ironed out and I guess that's one of the things is we need like to identify like what is the escalation procedure within the company if something actually needs attention. Because well, some people might believe that a Slack message is enough to get attention. For me, Slack, inbox, e- e- email, messenger, whatever it is, none of that cuts through what I'm doing. It just doesn't. And well, it annoys that, some people. Just to jump in there, so I, I was going to ask you that. When when it comes to you personally, mm-hmm. when, on a scale of importance and priority, if you got a Slack from anyone in the team, how important is that for you to read and address and answer? Not important at all. Yeah, and I th- I think that um, the important scale for people is different, and obviously it's getting a baseline of look. Like for for me, for example, if I slack someone, 
I'm chances are I don't need an immediate answer anyway. <laughs> but I, me sending a Slack to Mark saying, "Hey, when you like, you can use soft language, but if you ask him a question, I personally am not desperate for the answer." But he might think, I've been slacked, stop everything, come out of flow, let me answer this question, let me do this quick bit of research and things like that. So I think, if nothing else, because I've interestingly heard this on other podcasts as well, because obviously everyone's working from home and Mm -hmm. everyone's got slack, some people are even, because they're on their computer all day and evening, are technically still, they can't turn slack off and leave work even, so Mm -hmm. like having slack open and receiving messages almost takes some sort of paramount priority just because someone can send you a dm but i think it's the same thing that happens when people prioritize their inbox over the work they're actually doing Mm -hmm. and i used to do that all the time um i think for people especially if they're working from home um is let's just say it's seven o'clock and you've got your laptop open and you're watching youtube turn slack off or just set you know set it to away or whatever Mm -hmm. whatever you do um that's the point is I don't even know what to do because the way I communicate with our team is cool guys I'll get to it and I'll look at slack actively three to five times a day so as soon as I've done a task I'll jump so how I operate on that is I'll I'll set a piece of work that I need to do and I'll do the piece of work and my phone is face down everything is basically face down and the reason my phone's face down is because I don't want to see whatsapps I don't want to see emails I want to see facebook messages it will vibrate if it rings um, which will get my attention but I do the piece of work and then I jump into comms and I'm like, okay, who's trying to get hold of me and for what reason? And then I go through uh, my WhatsApp um, I, because that's like the the second tier that the team know. So for me, it's like uh, I wouldn't have missed a call because I would have actively at least seen it. So it's phone priority. So if the team need me, they know if you need an answer now, you call me mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, I'm there. Then it kind of goes WhatsApp, email, Slack, and then I kind of go through all the comms channels and look, is there a fire? No. Is there something that's uh, important? Yes. Jump in. No. And then I'll try and like batch activities front and end of day. So to answer your question, when someone slacks me, I think they know now as well. I communicate it and tell the team. But when you slack me, you're never going to get an answer quickly if you need one just call me mm-hmm. um and that works really well for me but to your point because not, not everyone's got that level of agreement yeah and it, that level of agreement isn't right for everyone but everyone needs to know what everyone's level of agreement mm-hmm. is so uh f- so for example and this is where hierarchy comes into it and i don't want to have to play that card but it's important if 40 slacks arge arge has to pick that up and get back to 40 because mm-hmm. it's his line manager and he obviously needs something because I'm the CEO, I've given you access to my phone, everything else. I've got stuff that's a priority. So it's internally across departments, across teams. Everyone needs to have an understanding of how do I need to react? How do I need to act on a channel and with who? Kind of needs to be something we discuss at our next OKR meeting. So mm-hmm. at the end of July, um, there's a couple of things we need to discuss from a the new world we find ourselves in. I think a... Because Fordy might say, cool guys. And that's, Fordy might actually say, no, no, if, if I send you a Slack message, sort it when you want to. If I need an answer, I'll call you. Mm-hmm. They can work that out independently. I don't care what they do. They yep. get the work done. But having that two-way understanding of how comms work, that's probably a new thing that we're all trying to navigate right now. Because to your point, like the fact that it, when I send someone, uh, like when I send Kat a, a Slack message, I get the feeling that she drops whatever she is on. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, if I need an answer now, I probably would have just called you. 
Um, but it's just having that two-way understanding. Yeah, and I think it's because Slack's kind of replaced that, hey, Cat, or hey, Adam. Yeah. So it's it's hard to... It, if you see the notification as well, you almost then have to actively ignore it in order for it to not interrupt you. Yeah. And by that point, it's already interrupted. Well, so the interesting thing is there's some apps that I'm uh, interested in looking at where it's like you, you can... I actually think one of them is natively in Slack. So we were talking about the other day where you can kind of set yourself to snooze mode, but you can force a notification through to someone mm-hmm. that will still give them alert. You'll send them a message. It's like, hey, Harry will get this when he comes back online or when he's not in snooze mode. But you can then say, no, no, I need him an answer. And you can push a notification to you so you get a... Mm-hmm. a so it's kind of like... But you have to be in... You have to have the snooze on. So, like, has, for us, it's like default out of hours. So, before 6 a.m. or whatever it is, that's on by default. I don't know how you turn that on or can. It'd be nice if that was kind of default and then you just send a push or whatever. Yeah. So, I guess, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it'll be nice to set some rules in the company, which is like, hey, if you're doing deep work and you don't want to be bothered and someone sends you a message, they can send you a message. Set your status to this. Mm. That means you're doing deep work and you want to be disturbed. You will only then be given the option to disturb them if it's important. So then when a notification comes through, you know you need to look at it. And it should be used rarely mm. to, to keep the respect for that notification. But again, th- this is the weeds Something of it. To iron out. But there's loads of stuff for us to iron out because it does replace the chat across the room. But I think one thing that is 100% true across the whole company is people are being allowed to do deeper, better work and focus on what they're meant to be doing um which is creating a whole lot of good things within the company and i don't want to change that i actually want to like lean in to work out how do we keep this going um yeah that's probably that's probably that to be honest uh, and then uh, speaking of one-to-ones uh we had as last week mm-hmm. uh, and it felt uh i mean yeah, it felt a little bit different, and or at least the vibe I was getting from you was, you had, uh, did you say you had two more before me? So I think yeah. it was Danny and Matt. Yep. Uh, and you said they were different. Obviously, for us, we, we always talk, so we feel like we're always podcasted, and even when we're not, sort of thing. <laughs> um, but the, obviously, there's definitely a different vibe going on at the moment. I guess why? Why do you think it's been different? Um, yeah. What What's changed? Um, I think it's a, it's an interesting question. Um, they're definitely different. So here, it's a really tough question, actually. Because um, I remember you dropping this message. I was like, the one-to-ones just feel different now. Mm-hmm. I th- if I had to sort of like nail it down, it's... Because we're really clear on our 90-day plans with our OKRs, and people update their key results weekly... I kind of know from a performance perspective where people are. Mm-hmm. I also know that we're measuring it on a 90-day time frame. So if you look at someone like Danny's key results, he has to do a lot of building of campaigns before he sees results. So I can't really, it's not linear. So I can't really say we're halfway through the month, you should be halfway through your goal because some of them just don't work like that. Mm-hmm. So performance review-wise, because we're more clear than we've ever been of what we're trying to achieve and it's measurable all the way through the company, I know and the team knows that at the end of the quarter we're going to review that and that's the performance stuff. The rest of the comms within the company are more transactional, use that air quotes, because we're not 
together can't have the banter which is something that we're trying to work out we bring back in uh, and work out what the new normal looks for us to be honest um so when i was in the one-to-ones i guess there's two things happening because i have less time daily with that person and because i'm trying to empower the team to solve things on their own because i'm not i can't be there to put the fire out with them i'm usually the guy with the fire extinguisher ready use that analogy because i'm not in the same burning building as them right now i kind of need them to learn how to put the fire out themselves <laughs> like i need to give them their own fire extinguisher and this is all just a big analogy for just coaching i think i think that's what's going on mm-hmm. because i found myself saying like cool like what are we trying to do together in the next 12 18 months like where are you where, where do you need to personally grow where are the challenges in the department that we need to iron out and i didn't find myself giving a solution once even though i wanted to even no i probably didn't want to my nature was i would normally say cool do this this and this because what we can do normally is we can sit and we can grab five minutes all the time and cover stuff off and i went into the one-to-one with no no like you're such a fun... All my direct reports are fairly senior in the company. I'm like, no, like right now we're going to work on your your skills and I can't train you the stuff that you're trying to do. I can at least point you in the right direction so you know how to learn it and we can go... We can tackle the problems over a longer period of time so you personally grow to own the fire extinguisher yourself. It felt more like coaching and I'm not sure it's because naturally I'm interested in coaching mm-hmm. and learning more about coaching and reading a lot of coaching books because I'm, I'm, uh, I've got the reading list for my coaching uh, course that starts October early. Um, so Is I it a long list? It's a fucking long list. <laughs> it was an expensive list. Um, so £424 it cost me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, How uh, much was the course? <laughs> so you thought uh, you were throwing uh, them in. I know, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but I've just started to like consume content and really enjoy it. Um, so I guess... I guess what's happening is, and it kind of comes off the last show, which I found fucking hilarious when you named it the Idol CEO. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, because I've just got more time to, I guess, be strategic. Um, I kind of have. I look at the business more strategically, uh, and then I'm now looking at my team to say, how can I coach you so you're more efficient without me. Um, and that, that obviously just came through in the one-to-ones. I really enjoyed them um, because we, we navigated some some big topics and some hard truths, um, which I think needed. Uh, and because of the nature of the relationship we have got with all the team, it was easy to have those conversations. Uh, and I, I didn't give any advice. I just pointed. You didn't that. give any advice. I can't remember one thing um, because a lot of the stuff was about comfort zones and um, like where do we see challenges in the future and then they say a challenge and it'll be cool. So like what are the things we can do now to start like tackling that challenge? Uh, there's an idea like well, how do you think that will... Do you know what I mean? It was a, so, it was a very... I felt... I really enjoyed it. So would you say that you might not have suggested... Um, things, but you allowed the individual to come to those conclusions themselves. Yeah, I coach them on that journey. Ask them the right because mm-hmm. I think the difference is that I'm trying to do now. I guess I see the power in just asking the right question. 
And you see it with Sam. And that's why some conversations with Sam are always interesting. Like literally earlier, he said, you've asked me the wrong question. Mm. And I, yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He said, that's, that's the, the wrong, wrong question, that's the wrong to, question ask. to ask. Um, the, pa- the power of asking the right question is completely undervalued. Uh, and when you ask the right question, uh, what I'm seeing is you allow someone to buy into their own idea and when they buy into their own idea, they're going to be the ones that push it on without you having to be behind them to push them. And because I'm not behind them daily to push them, I need them to come up with their own ideas and believe in them and push them forward on their own. So because I came to that realization, it felt now's the time to switch my one-to-one style and coach on my direct reports uh, and help them build their own ideas of how we achieve the mission in the business and the vision um, and then support them along that journey. So it's been super interesting. Um, and then finally, uh, we're getting a bit long on the old show here. Uh, getting a bit of length, though. Yeah. Getting a bit. Of, we're getting some good length. Um, but one other final note I had was just uh, product roadmaps, um, particularly from our conversation that we had uh, in regards to tool talk that's been going on, mm-hmm. um, and how you've led the actions to t- with tool talk to date in a very specific direction because you had a very clear vision of where we're trying to get to at mm-hmm. this point well we're kind of there but yeah. a few things to to add to and refine and finesse but if you actually look at the next 12 months there's ideas but there's no like cold hard roadmap to to aim towards uh, and obviously because i'm taking sort of project lead on that whole thing now I want to help drive towards the to your vision, but mm-hmm. we lack. I, I guess where that end goal of the long term vision is. Um, so I just thought it might be interesting to have a quick chin wag about mm-hmm. like the the value of a product roadmap. Um. So I'm going to duck the last part of that question, just to be <laughs> honest with you, uh, because I think it's unfair for me to comment on the the importance of a product roadmap because I only really saw it last week when you told me that comment. You raised it in a really... So obviously came out, came out of our one-to-one um, and you raised it in a way which was really well put, to be honest, which was, I'm really happy... I'm paraphrasing here. I'm really happy with what we've achieved today and we've got it to this marker, but this is not the finish line. Uh, the problem is, Adam, is I don't really know where the finish line is, mm-hmm. uh, which means I need to kind of pull you into every interaction but if you told me where the finish line is, I can get us there and I can drive features, new new development. I can drive everything as long as I know where we're going. I guess to use the analogy we've used on the podcast before, I say to people, because uh, what um, Rich said to me, he said, you tell people you're going to Paris and you let smart people work out how mm-hmm. to get there. You just tell them we're going to Paris. We're going to meet at the top of the Eiffel Tower at eight o'clock next Tuesday. I haven't really told you we're going to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> I've kind of told you to go to Dover. <laughs> and I'm, 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 we're, we're going to the continent. That's exactly, what I can tell yeah. you. It's sort of like, cool. Uh, there's your P&O ticket as a ferry to France. Mm-hmm. But you like, once you get to France, you ain't got a clue where you're going from there. So you have to come back to me and I'm now telling you, turn right there. You mm-hmm. go, okay, turn left there. Yeah. Uh, and that is very restrictive. Um, it's also not that fun. Uh, because it doesn't let you I- ideate your own concepts of how you get us to the end goal. And when you have smart people in the team, you should be, and again, it comes from the coach thing, you should be just letting them find their own ideas and working it out. Yeah, well, f- for me on that, like the challenge, the reason I brought it up was because the challenge I was being faced with was I'm getting asked from 
the dev team about certain decisions that we can do now or like we can do this now and do this later or which one's more important mm-hmm. but because i'm like well i don't really know which one's more important let me let me go and speak to you yeah it felt like well you, he, they may as well speak to you because i'm just a glorified middleman here that's yeah, just yeah. like uh, i i'm in the meetings but i'm still gonna have to confirm this with with the higher ups so it, for me to know where we're headed will allow me and enable me to make decisions on my own steam. And if, so two things, look at that in the micro and say what we've done with the tool talk task force. All I've said is I need this many new users and you can't spend more than this. Go work it out. And you guys have had the most productive and I think fun just from an outside looking Mm -hmm. in speaking to Danny is one-to-one like it, it's been really enjoyable because you've been left to your own devices to be creative and tackle this problem. So that's been amazing. You can't do that on the more macro scale of what Tool Talk is. I have the vision of what I want Tool Talk to be in my mind's eye, but it's only in my head right now. So um, I guess to, to wrap this up for a future show from an importance from a product roadmap is right now, because I've got a, a nice two-hour meeting booked in with Mark when he's back off his holidays, um, <laughs> Because when we spoke about it on the All Hands meeting, Mark was like, finally. like He could just tell him, he's like, finally, mm-hmm. he's going to actually give me something that's longer than a three-month plan for the development. Um, so all the concepts I have in my head of where we're trying to drive the business, uh, I'm using a cool little tool called Whimsical, which I'm going to plug um, because I think it's amazing uh, from a flowchart, mind map, bits perspective. Um, it's super inexpensive and it allows you to do things quickly. So I'm now building a product roadmap. Sorry, is, is that the... Uh, thing that you use for presentations and stuff no that's visme okay um, that's cool as well that's cool as well <laughs> um maybe we should do a, a tools like an update on yeah. like the top 10 things that i use because i found some really cool even if it's like three because that that one that you've shown me has taken your presentation game to the next level because half of it's done for you it's just like yeah, yeah. fill in the template. i worry about the content yeah uh, you worry about the creative and the template's done Mm-hmm. nailed it um, so what I'm doing right now is basically building out a product roadmap um, which uh, is probably going to take us to about a 24 to 36 month window of what, what we're doing to drive us towards a singular platform on Verified Office and Web and what Tool Talk has to become um, and then without going too geeky on it is colour coding it based on quarters so because because we've had such a good quarter because we're all focused um, we all need to and now I need to start working in July of what the next quarter's OKRs are. I know what they are in my head because I know what we're going to try and achieve. But we need to have that as a shared pool of knowledge in the team. So Matt has a product roadmap for the website package. So he can make decisions on what he wants to do. You have a tool talk roadmap. So then the product managers can get together and say, cool, guys, we're all working on this roadmap. Where are we on the roadmap? Where are the hurdles? What can we do? And you can make decisions. You can come up with ideas. You can pitch them to the rest of the team and the business. And we can push on and be really creative and ambitious with it. So um, that will be done in the next two weeks. Um, it will be uh, fully presented back to the team by the end of July. And it will be sort of a core document within the business that we hold as a guiding principle to the decision-making process of dev, uh, marketing, comms, everything will hang off that. Uh, and again, it was interesting today. So I had a client call. We spoke about what we do because we have 12 products that we do expert trades because mm-hmm. we've got our work with project. Uh, and it made like, here's what we do. 
so as a byproduct, you now know what we don't do. Uh, so we can only talk about the stuff that we do. With the product roadmap, it's here's where we're going. So as a byproduct, don't bring me any other ideas that do not fit in with this product roadmap because that is the vision in a singular document. Let's go. Like it. Let's wrap it up there. Um, any final words before we give them the emails and the links and the calls to action? Um, no final words apart from the fact that stay tuned. We're probably going to get Sam um, onto the show in the next sort of seven to ten days um, because we've got a nice little exciting update for the community. Uh, for those of you that are enjoying taking part, we're, we're, we're launching something to sort of, I guess, enrich that a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, so looking forward to that. Thank you for those of you that are taking part in our weekly uh, live streams that's been good fun book club went live at the point of recording this um but yeah just super enjoying it and um i guess for me if you've got any questions guys we've stopped asking for questions um but i've actually got i've kind of got like a hankering to do more of the q a um specifically around because we're getting such good questions on the live stream and engagement that we're all enjoying riffing off it and i think potentially doing like q a's um, from a panel perspective for us, uh, for members of the audience. Uh, if you've got anything that you're working on right now, want some uh, views on or some advice on, um, ping it in. Uh, it's startupdiary at nbs.fm. Cheers, guys.